Hi, I'm Kim Rickards, professional superglue and co-creator of Manifest. Manifest is a global platform with a vision to empower professionals of color to make connections and build intentional community to manifest careers, dreams, and goals. In this podcast, we will nurture, inspire, connect, and elevate our listeners through relevant stories and conversations. Now let's Manifest. Hi, everyone. I'm looking forward to being joined today by marketing executive, party promoter, and cultural connector, Della Yador. Here's a few fun facts about Della and I. We went to college in the same town, and we worked together at Viacom. But today, we're not going to talk too much about the old days, but we are going to talk about navigating career change. So, Della, welcome to Les Manifest. Thank you for having me, Kim. Good to be here virtually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, we're connected. We're we're here. We're doing this together, virtually or not. But um, we're going to play a fun game. Sure. So the rules of this game is just to say whatever comes to mind. Okay. And you don't have to try to um, censor yourself. Okay, you don't have to try to censor yourself. Don't try too hard. Just whatever comes to mind. So the first word is going to be commute. Trains. <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah, being from New York, just uh, um, I don't know why trains was the first thing to come to mind, but um, it makes yeah, sense. I guess it's, being from New York, just taking trains all my life. So uh, yeah, trains it is. What about Dragonfly? Juice. <laughs> I hope I hope you get what you want from this game because I'm just giving you a. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be fun. You know, when I saw the word dragonfly, I automatically thought about Dragonfly Jones. I don't know if you watch Martin. Of course, but of yeah, course. he was the one that came to mind. I'm like, oh man, this guy. I don't just... know. Maybe I thought dragon fruit or passion. Fruit. Oh maybe, yeah, maybe it's because it's breakfast time and my my mind is connected. You're to hungry. Stomach. I don't know. Maybe maybe. <laughs> All right. So what about Bart? Bart, mm-hmm. um, two things, Simpson, mm-hmm. and um, why am I thinking a bus system? Yeah, San yeah. Francisco, yeah. San Francisco, right? I've yep. never been to yep. San Francisco, but that came to mind. So Definitely both of them came to mind for me, too. Okay. <laughs> what about the word house? So my trainer has this um, community he built called the House of Zeus, and I actually... Um, I got to give credit to my boy, Jamal Jamal, for that. We were talking about um, uh, just ideas for uh, Zeus uh, in in training and and building his sort of network uh, and business up, although he already had a great network. And um, I started just spitting words, community, wellness, um, empowerment, um, focus, discipline, and um, and Jamal kind of said, oh, these are things that happen within family. Families live in a home. You can call your community the house. It's like House of Zeus. And he's like, yeah. So, yes. House, Shout out home. to Jamal. Shout house of Zeus. Or, I, like it. Or, like that, I like that one a lot. I was thinking house party, but that sounds... Damn it, you're taking all my like better that. answers. That you sounds... just answer my question for me. This, <laughs> no. this is the 30th, 30-year anniversary of house party, by the way. I, I don't wow. know. I'm not reading my own room right now, but you're doing great, Kevin. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have to watch that just because in celebration, can't go wrong. Classic. And the last word is yellow. Yellow. Um, Sunflower? Oh, that's a good yeah. one. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's that's what came to my mind first. Um, 
Yeah, yellow sunflower. That's that's a good one because I was over here thinking yellow fever. So you know what? We don't need no sickness. <laughs> like I was thinking all about that. It is I think maybe bad. we had different goal, different um, outputs of this game because no, like, you were on. No, I was just thinking <laughs> as I was reading this, but you were spot on. You're just supposed to think of whatever comes to mind. So you okay. totally played well. You got a hundred. Thank you. The participation <laughs> trophy. Everyone wins. I love it. Everyone wins. But, you know, speaking of everyone winning, when it comes to careers, right, everyone has a different idea of what that looks like for them. And sometimes career paths can change quite often. Sometimes someone can be on the same path and that's totally fine as well. But I want you to tell the listeners a little bit more about your career journey and like how you broke into the entertainment industry. Sure. Yeah. My career in entertainment began in undergrad and, um, you know, I like to, I like to think I learned more outside the classroom than in the classroom, you know, whether it was, um, uh, throwing events in downtown Buffalo with class entertainment, or, uh, it was, in student government with the student association, uh, a lot of a lot of my change in careers, and I've jumped around a bit, has been around working with people and understanding the room. So, um, you know, working with different personalities in entertainment, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes even in politics, it, it's it's a really good exercise. And for me, um, I interned at Power One Hundred Five in two thousand three, uh, and um, while I was still in Buffalo, and you know, during that time, I was able to really work with um, some cool people and understand the inner workings of promotional radio. This is 2003, again, 17 years ago. Wow. Uh, coming back to Buffalo, wanted to get into throwing parties. My barber from the Bronx connected me to L Boogs. Um, Shouts to L Boogs. Uh, and um, he was managing DJ Enough at the time at the RPM office in downtown Manhattan. And uh, we wanted to throw parties, me and my partner, Jay, and we connected with him. He connected us with the DJs, started working with them, doing parties um, in Buffalo and then did some in New York. Uh, so my barber was was instrumental also in, in connecting me. Uh, shouts to Suge. Uh, <laughs> I was, uh, was instrumental from the Bronx, was connecting me um, to uh, people in entertainment. And then after that, it's relationships, right? And I think right. it's very easy to be in the revolving door of entertainment for a million and one variables, right? Like, you know, um, everyone has a different experience. I think for me, the relationships kept me in there and kept me going. And you know, after Buffalo, I, you know, I applied to a job at VH1 Soul to be a, a coordinator for the channel, which was at Viacom MTV and um, spent time working with radio stations around the country which helped because I was still working with the heavy hitters, DJ Enough and all those guys. And um, I was working on the VH1 Soul tours, the radio tours with like Lettucey, Jill Scott. This is like 2006. Wow. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then on and on and on, still working with the DJs, the heavy hitter DJs in New York, uh, jumping back into doing parties in the city at like bars, um, like Opal and Village Lantern and, um, I got laid off. Uh, well, actually, um, during that time at VH1, I got promoted to work at BET. Uh, I was there for another two years between BET and VH1. So still working on marketing, but this time I was managing uh, consumer marketing 
uh, got laid off in 2011, but I'm still active again inside and outside the classroom, like in corporate and then um, doing events. Um, if, if you could use classroom as a metaphor in corporate. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it, you know, I got hired back a couple months later in January 2012 uh, and, and started working in partnership marketing. Um, and that was cool, but I was still, again, working with the DJ, sort of living these two, two lives. So entertainment, um, I, I juggled a little bit, uh, but was, what was constant in the entertainment space was, uh, were the relationships and, and sort of trying to stay tight with those, build new ones, foster old ones, add value when you can. And, um, I'm sure that metaphor of building relationships and adding value can ring true, um, you know, in any industry, not just in entertainment. Oh, absolutely. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about the fact that Suge, he probably didn't realize he was doing cuts and providing connections. You know what I'm saying? Like he just was being himself and looking out for you and making sure that you were going to be set up for success, which I can respect for sure. Sure. Shots to people that add value um, and don't know they're adding it or just do it because it's in their nature. Exactly. Um, Those people make the world go around. They make the pe- they make the world better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yep. Because yeah, we we need more people like that. And right now in the climate that we're in, you know, a lot of people are questioning if the current role they're in is, is where they should be. So you talked about being laid off from from Viacom and then being hired back, but then you actually left quote unquote entertainment and then you went into CPG. So can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah, I. It was uh, 2013, and it was my second year um, with Viacom after being laid off. So I was there 2012, 2013. I was in partnership marketing, which was working with um, external brands like Essence Magazine for the Essence Music Festival, um, events with different partners, promotional partners to help boost ratings for some of the shows, like um, whether it was, and again, this was later on, but like the I Love Money's, the I Love New York's, Flavor Loves, stuff like that. Uh, but also for hip hop honors and, um, other tent poles. Um, and, uh, at this point when my second go around with VH1, I am on a uh, consultant freelance contract. So I'm able to do a lot of different things. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I was still doing events at bars in the city and, and parties and, and, doing things, uh, bringing people together. And I was recruited on LinkedIn uh, for a uh, market manager role in San Francisco uh, with, uh, with an alcohol supplier. And I saw that I'm like, yo, this is, this is interesting. You know, I've played in the alcohol space for some time, whether nightclubs, bars, and just the consumer aspect of it. I'm 30. Um, There's nothing to lose. Let me, let me shoot my shot. And, um, you know, went for that first call. Yo, Della, I'm so sorry. I sent you the wrong job description. It was actually to be a multicultural marketing manager um, uh, for the U.S. for this company. And I was like, <laughs> oh, even better. Cool. I don't got to leave New York. OK, let's, let's, let's get to it. So uh, I think what worked well for me in that interview process was being able to talk about my skill set that was transitional for this role. Right. I think. At yeah, the, that's well, yeah. When I was at VH1, I was working on on these cultural temples, these shows, you know, uh, VH1 at the time was about nostalgia, pop culture and music. Uh, all three things that I think are, are 
moment to come together and enjoy a drink, right? And uh, I think there were certain insights from a consumer end um, that I brought to the table from a multicultural standpoint. I thought that from a customer standpoint, when you're thinking about accounts and venues, uh, it's sort of easy to make that connection as well. What does this club look for from a spirit supplier? What, what do they want? They're looking for support. There's a, there's a mutually beneficial partnership there. So I was able to, to tell a story that, that made sense mm-hmm. uh, for Pernod Ricard. And, you know, luckily uh, I was able to, to get that job. I was there for five years and um, I went from multicultural marketing manager to um, for two and a half years to um, luxury uh, lifestyle uh, manager uh, in the prestige team, uh, which was work, working on a little bit more of the high-end brands, the champagnes, the um, the high-end tequilas. And then finally, I became brand manager for uh, Martel Cognac. Um, and I, you know, every time I, I feel like every time I moved on to a new role, I was just getting used to the role that I was on. So it was a very <laughs> quick, it was like a very quick jump around in five years being in alcohol, but it was, boy, it was an eye-opening experience. I learned a ton um, which I, I think even being in the brand manager role sort of opens you up to the CPG world. And, and, and again, now I can tell another transitional story um, if I go back to that to that realm. Right. And I was going to actually ask you, and you just said eye-opening, but I wanted to know, what was your first impression of entering the CPG industry? Because entertainment in itself, that's that's a very eye-opening yeah. experience. And, you know, I always say that, working at Viacom was pretty much kind of like the high school of my career. So, mm-hmm. you know, learned a lot. You had so many different experiences. You have you know, like prom because there were so many events that were at that level, right? Like right. they were just extravagant. Sure. And then you graduate. You yeah. graduate from there and you go somewhere else. And I would say for me, um, I learned a whole lot. But for you, what was that first impression with you remember? You remember on Instagram, there was that wave where people were like, this is what my life is on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. <laughs> what on was it called? Facebook. The Dolly Parton, they called it? The Dolly Parton, right? Whatever, yeah. whatever time they called it. I, when being in spirits, I think my friends assumed that my life was one big nightclub, uh, my, you know, one big party. Um, my, but my, my real friends that I was really tight with knew that you know, they weren't seeing me a lot because it was sort of like nine to five and five to nine work nine to five. I'm in the office five to nine. Like I'm out sort of being this ambassador and advocate for these brands right. and, and helping to push these brands. My, my mom, you know, uh, wanted to make sure I wasn't drinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so again, party, um, inside, you know, you had to wear different hats. Uh, um, you know, you had to wear the, uh, lifestyle ambassador hat. Um, because, you know, there are people in in these rooms that don't necessarily know what a nine to five looks like for a multicultural consumer, whether they're African-American, Hispanic, um, LGBTQ. And granted, that wasn't my focus, but it's still multicultural falls into that. Right. And the Asian community, which is how a lot of CPG at the time sort of segmented consumers. Um, and I think it's, it was just very interesting for me. The eye opening part of it all was you got to read the room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I came into it thinking, okay, we're going to do all these events. We're going to sponsor this. We're going to sponsor that. But there was so much more to consider when it came to strategy and building plans to ladder it down from a national level to a local level. And then for those local teams to, to implement those plans with accounts on premise 
nightclubs, bars, lounges, bowling alleys, et cetera, anywhere you can drink liquor readily. And then off premise, um, uh, you know, liquor stores, independent liquor in some states, grocery stores, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to be able to create plans based on insights, um, <laughs> fact based them and bring them to life, which my first year around, I can tell you right now, um, it was, I had to learn a new language, um, because I didn't come from, uh, I came from working strategy from a consumer marketing and media standpoint. Right. But when you're talking about CPG, um, I had to do a lot of listening. Um, and, and I had to read the room and I had to understood, understand what people needed, what the sales force needed, what the brand owners globally needed and were looking for. Um, and what the consumers needed. So, you know, when you put all that into a pot, you know, you sort of need to come up with plans and ideas that resonate across the board and then remind people in the boardroom that sometimes you may not understand the plan, but it's for the target. It's mm-hmm. for the customer. It's for the consumer. And that's really who we're doing it for. So educational so you- is an understatement. <laughs> well, so I'm wondering, how did you bring your personality? Because, you know, that's a huge part I would think of being an ambassador too. So not only during like nightclub hours, but even during the day to these board members who are not fully aware of how their brand is being represented in certain spaces. So how did you bring personality to basically show them exactly what you were trying to say, but in a way that they understood to trust the process? Yeah, it was about explaining what the opportunity is. Um, and I was granted, I was brought in early on the multicultural side to, um, increase the brand's presence within this consumer base, which I feel after five years, you know, there's now like culture marketing system and there's like, you know, 28 plus culture managers around the country, which has evolved, um, from all the plans that we build over time. And that it's amazing to see, I think. It was important to explain what the opportunity is, right? And okay. I remember my first two months there, I used to go to work uh, and it was on Park Ave. Uh, and I used to go to work in slacks, shoot, uh, hard bottoms and button downs, right? Which is pretty standard office, you know? For the most like, part. For the most right. part. I was looking like the preacher's son for the first two <laughs> months, right? And I, I, it was cool and I needed them to, you know, I, I needed to present myself a certain way. I needed them to sort of respect what I was saying. And after a while, you know, after being, you know, getting tight with people in the office and them sort of understanding what I was trying to do and what the multicultural team was trying to do. And shouts to Mara, my, my amazing boss at the time, who taught me so much about strategy and tactics. Like mm. after a while, my own dress code started to lax, right? I started to wear um, a little bit more jeans and sneakers. And me, as neat as I could be, um, but I started to bring that into the office and I wanted people to understand that the same words that came out of my mouth when I was wearing hard bottoms could be the same words that are coming out of my mouth when I'm wearing Jordan ones. Right. And, and, and although you may not have been able to see that in your nine to five, I'm some, I'm what some of the consumer looks like. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started to, you know, talk to, you know, the James team about brunch and what that could look like and what these occasions look like, because that's, that you have to speak to them in their language. It's right. they, they work on strategy and planning and occasion and moments and where they can insert the brand to meet their overall goals for the year. And one of my favorite experiences was bringing 
Um, our chief marketing officer at the time, Pierre, who was just a, an amazing leader and just a, a great dude to, to brunch in the Lower East Side, Sons of Essex. And Ooh, you, you know, took him and, to a Liddy brunch. Oh, I took I took him to Ain't Too Proud of Brunch. It was nuts. So it was, <laughs> so and and you know, it was I was so nervous, uh, but I was really excited because like Sons of Essex was considered a prestige account, which was high end. Um, it's one of those accounts that are image based. Right. Um, uh, a lot of our high end products were in there. The tequilas, the Avions, the, the high end brands were there and especially from competitors. So what I wanted to show him was from at this brunch from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., people are eating food. It's a good vibe. There's like 90s music, throwback, feel good, New Jack Swing, right? Cool. Right. From 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, a transition happens and people are still eating, (laughs) but that energy is going up. Like this little area down here where people are sitting and eating brunch here, they move the plates and the tables or the chairs and people are standing on the couches. It's bottle service. You're going to see bottles coming out at 4 p.m. in in a in a very loud room. And right. um, and listen, Sons of Essex wasn't the first to do this. I remember going to Bagatelle brunch in like 2008, right? Like mm-hmm. like, but it was it was how this was done. This was like I had to make people I had to make people understand that you can be high end, but also be in culture and you know, hear, you know, um, uh, just all that turn up music that was going down in 2014, 2015. That's still going down now, of course, but just all that energy that was taking place mattered to this consumer. And what does our brand look like in here? Are we showing up? Are we present? Who do we need to be to be the brand that people in this room consider at this point of purchase? You know, when that song comes on and I need a shot of, I want a shot of tequila, I'm looking for a, a drink or I'm going to buy a round for my friends. So I want to impress people around me with this bottle. What brands are they considering? Why? And how do people consider us? What do people consider us? And how do we get to that point? So it was a lot of um, playing both sides. It was a lot of, yo, this is what the culture is and needs. And then it was also a lot of what does the business need? And where does the in-between look like to sort of bridge that gap? So, um, so yeah, that was, that was educational and that, you know, that bridge in the gap is a lifelong process. You know what I mean? For sure. So how was Pierre's experience? I want to know, was he like, is this really happening? <laughs> like, uh, take man. us there. Paint that I, picture. I just, it was, it was such a dope, I have a picture on Instagram with, with just him and, um, uh, the woman that recruited me, the amazing woman that, that helped recruit me, Amy, um, rest in peace. She's, she's super dope. She's not here anymore, but I have a picture, uh, of like just all of us at brunch and it was, he was swag surfing. Like he was standing <laughs> on the couch. Like he bought another bottle. Like he bought another bottle. Like he was passing out drinks to people there. And this is like a super in the office, like buttoned up. Like, yeah. and he was buttoned up at brunch too, of course, but he was, it was just like people, fun isn't limited to young people, totally. right? And not to say he was old at, at all. Like, it's just like when you see people in the corporate space, I think there's an assumption that they don't know how, how to have fun anymore. There's always right. that disconnect. It's almost like that um, Run DMC um, um, uh, Walk This Way video. Like everybody has their own view of, of what... Um, something's supposed to be until they're in the same space and they're like, well, this is how it should be. And then you see people in suits 
you know, my friends, um, everyone is partying. It doesn't matter what their skin color is, how they're dressed. Everybody's rocking to the same song. And I just love that he was able to experience that. And he's from, he's from France, he's French, but he culturally, he actually leaned in to understanding what was going on and why things were what they were. And he's a, and the massive reason why some of the brands I worked on are able to be in culture right now. Like he was, he empowered people to help tell that story, even when some people didn't understand it. And uh, I thought that was, it was, it was just such a um, refreshing thing to see that someone who may not have been where I was from or where we were from culturally leaned into it because he knew one, it helped the business. And two, the bigger picture here is, um, here's how our brands can be relevant and here's the value we can add to these consumers um, in the space. So uh, he had a great time. Uh, long story short, he had a great time. Well, listen, shout out to Pierre for Word. immersing himself fully in the experience, because I think that also helps with understanding exactly what not only the, the brand means to consumers, but how it's relevant during right. an occasion, you know, because right. sometimes it's, it's one thing for you to tell people, but it's a whole other thing for them to be there in the moment, seeing the music change, seeing the vibe go up, like. 1,000%. Yeah. 1,000%. <laughs> like, that's wild. But I know that there are, or there probably have been times when you just weren't motivated. So right now you're giving us, you know, these great experiences, but what about the times when you were like, I don't want to do this anymore? Have mm. you ever felt like that? Sure. Absolutely. Um, a, a few times. I, I think when, when you, the, the egos are uh, such a powerful thing, um, you know, in order to get things done, you need that pride of believing in yourself. But then when things aren't moving, you actually have to get out of your own way and sometimes understand it's not about you. Um, you're not the reason it's not working or you're not the reason it's, it's, there's a challenge. Right. And that's okay. Um, you know, you, you start to, I started to understand where to focus my energy. Um, I, I have a tendency to hold on, um, sometimes longer than I should. And, and for that reason, um, uh, you know, I remember, you know, when even pitching certain strategies, they, they were met with, I don't understand, even when I was coming from the point of view, like the, the ability to influence without authority is like the most important, one of the most important skill sets you can have, right? Like the, the ability to really be fact-based, tell a story and not be someone's boss and get what you want, uh, which ideally what you want is what they want, but you just tell it in their story. So that, you know, it becomes partnership, right? Even if we're coworkers, it's still partnership. So I, I, I think the times that I was over it was probably, were probably when I felt like I was working too hard for something I didn't have control over. And I had to decide how much energy I was going to put into something and if it was going to give me the return or if it was worth it. And those are hard conversations to have with yourself, right? Oh, like absolutely. If you, if you really believe in something, you're going to push, you're going to push, you're going to push. If it doesn't pan out um, or it doesn't work out, you're kind of like at the drawing board, like, shit, I wasted all this time. Or I put. And actually, let me take that back. I don't believe in wasted time. Right. Like It's, it's all a part of the process. It's all a part of the process. You just learn one way that didn't work and you don't have to go down that road at this time or in the future again. 
because you know what it is, right? Um, right? So I think you know there was a there was a lot of internal like, but you believe in this, keep pushing. Um, but also, nah, man, you got bigger fish to fry. How long? How much time are you gonna spend on this? Um, so the times where I was fed up and over it, um, you know, I, I had to have those conversations with myself. Is you know. I think growth is another part of it. You, you sort of realize, okay, I've grown out of this aspect and I need to see what else is out there. And I think even in the alcohol space, you know, from TV to alcohol um, to doing events, which I've been doing events for a while in different spaces, uh, growth uh, for me is even last year, like going on my own and going into consulting, which uh, again, I think a lot of people tell you their first year of, being in the consultant world is not easy. Um, it is challenging, especially, you know, when you run into like a pandemic <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or a pandemic runs into you, whichever way right. you want to take it. Right. But there's still moments to, to learn and to build and to, um, to grow. Like we've been, I've been through a number of tests along the years and this is just another one. It's like super Mario, right? Any video game, any adventure game you've played, Every challenge is going to get harder with, with every level you hit. But a lot of what got you to this level may not be what you need to get to the next level. And that's why it's learning. And that's why the experience is like teaching you in real time. So um, patience is real um, when it comes to choosing what, what to invest in. Um, and how I dealt with giving up is taking um, to being like sort of like stressed out and wanting to give up is understanding that. You know what? Some battles aren't always yours to fight. Um, and, you know, ladder that up to your overall goal. Is this exercise worth a laddering up to what you ultimately want to accomplish? If mm -hmm. it is, keep fighting, invest the energy you need to invest in it. Uh, but know that if you can't control everything, that's okay too. focus on what you can. If it doesn't ladder up to your bigger goal, you kind of know what to do and, and focus your energy on, on what, what you need to and, and keep moving accordingly. No, I really like that. I like that last part, especially about focusing on what you can control, because I do feel that oftentimes we try to do everything, you know, like we, we try to be a part of everything sometimes. And that contributes to feeling stuck sometimes. Sometimes it's yeah. just because we just have so much going on that we need to take a step back and really focus on what we can control and what matters, what's really the end result. And when we start yeah. to look at that, I think it just makes the picture that much clearer. So, There's yeah. really something to be said about focusing on something and being really good at it. Like I, I, I used to pride myself at being a jack of all trades to a certain extent. And um, that's cool until you got to get, if you have to accomplish bigger things and then you really need to narrow in on what the goal is and be borderline merciless, not even borderline, merciless at going after what you want and really locking in because there are a number of things that will distract you in any strategy. And if you're going to react to every distract distraction, it's going to take you longer to get to your goal. So you really got to stay laser focused on, you know, even from a marketing perspective, who's our consumer, who's our target, where are our dollars placed, where are our investments? What are we really good at and focusing on what we can do there uh, and versus trying to be everything to everyone um, and, and then getting lost in the shuffle. I always used to say um, there's never any traffic if you're in your own lane. And that's something to be said about focus and, and creating any type of strategy 
that really locks in on the goal uh, you're trying to achieve. I like that. There never isn't. Say that one again. There never is um, any traffic if you're in your own lane. There's never any traffic if you're in your own lane. You just preached the whole word, Della. <laughs> you just just but but it's true though, and I think that that's a huge part of understanding all of this is that when you're in your own lane, everything that you're doing it has a way of all benefiting what you're supposed to do, right? No one else is going to be in that lane, like crowding you, if you will, because this is totally what you're focused on doing. So even if you have people that are inspiring you, even if you have people that are doing similar things, they're still not in the same lane as you, you know, they're on either side. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's based. No, that's great. I mean, and that's based on the story you tell, right? Like everybody has a book to sell. Everyone has a book to sell. People are going to buy the book that is telling the story they want to hear or they mm-hmm. didn't know they needed to hear. And that's why storytelling, you know, I, I, it's so huge. It's, <laughs> it's incredibly huge in selling anything in getting people to do anything, right? Like, you know, um, in, the, in the boardroom, you have to tell a story to your shareholders, to stakeholders, to the sales team, to your counterparts in marketing. You have to be able to tell stories that resonate with what they want to achieve, what you want to achieve, and here's how we can get there together by doing X, Y, Z. So yeah, you're, you're in your own lane when you're able to tell a story um, that's true, authentic, um, and really meets the goals that, uh, that you're both looking to accomplish. I love it. Della, you know, I'm sitting over here and I'm like, I just need to hear now meditation with Della. <laughs> like that's what I'm gathering because I'm like, you know what? You're right. We, we really do have stories that we're telling and the way that we tell it with our authentic voice is exactly what someone else may want to hear and what they may need to hear. Yeah. So I, I value you for saying all of these things because wow. it's so appropriate. And, you know, and, it, and again, it's not only to help someone get quote unquote unstuck, but it's also advice that you can just live by yeah. regardless of what's happening. 100%. So yeah, 100%. that was so shit. I'm just adding value and I'm still learning, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm still a student of all this, you know, like, like the learning never stops, you know, the second you stop learning, you know, you start dying. So that's that's morbid or crazy, but you get what I'm saying. I definitely got (laughs) that, but I did want to say thank you again for, you know, dropping these gems and spending time today, just, just telling the story. (laughs) Of course, at least I Um, could do it. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you. And I am hoping that, you know, listeners walk away not only knowing how to navigate through career change, but just understanding that their life matters. (laughs) You know, whatever you choose to do, regardless of it being a career choice, you matter. And the way that you tell the story so that it resonates with others will matter as well. Of course. And I say, you know, I I could think about Game of Thrones or any of those Marvel movies and and while the, that's fiction, how they connect with you and what they inspire you to do and be or feel um, and how they sort of impact your life from a day to day. And there are real stories out there, obviously, but just think about your audience. Um, that's the most important. That's one of the most important things in marketing. Like one of the first questions that I ask anybody that I'm working with is who's your audience? You know, do you know what your audience thinks? Um, do you know how they feel? Do you know where they are? 
and where to meet them. Um, it's demographics, of course, have been old school forever. It's the psychographics, which, of course, um, you know, are sort of that other layer. And then it's all of their habits um, that um, the things that they do that, uh, you know, subconsciously or consciously, you know, lead them to their purchase decisions or what they watch or what party they go to or what song they listen to. It's all relative. But it really begins with with um, your audience. And it, it's not limited to marketing. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you know, what are you looking to accomplish? Um, who do you need to um, connect with? Which again is an audience. And what story do you need to tell them to get what you're looking for? I think the, the, the conversation on audience is all relative. So um, I'm happy to add some value on here. It's the least I could do. Oh, absolutely. And tell listeners where they can find you. Sure. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, uh, Della underscore Y, D-E-L-A underscore Y. Uh, and uh, Della Yador on LinkedIn, D-E-L-A-Y-A-D-O-R. And, uh, you know, uh, apologize for my uh, sports takes. Well, there's no sports right now, but um, <laughs> my political takes on Twitter. Actually, I don't apologize. That's exactly how I feel. So enjoy that or don't follow. Everything's fine. <laughs> You're like, enjoy that. Thanks for tuning into my TED Talk. I'm right. Joking. But thanks for being here. No problem. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for listening to the Manifest podcast. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Share this with your family. Share this with your friends. Share this with your colleagues. Just share this with your entire community. And until next time, let's manifest. <laughs>